Hey guys, welcome to Slash Report. This is Prue, and I'm joined as ever by my partner in crime, MK. Hello. Hello. And this is a special episode because we found some really dirty secrets about Cobweb Diamond and used them to blackmail her to join us on Slash Report to do an author talk with us. So hello, Gav. Hi there. How are you? I, I feel amazing. I feel really great. Super amazing. <laughs> I'm, I literally today, it's 6 p.m. right now. I've eaten some great. <laughs> and I've been so hungover that I'm now wearing my second pair of pajamas of day because I was like, oh, I should probably get changed and get dressed. So I just changed into some different pajamas. It's pretty low. There are a couple of great things about what just happened, listeners. Um, number one, that squeaking that you in, indubitably hear in the background. We don't know what that is. We can't well, source it. Still there. <laughs> still is. We've decided yeah. to refer to it as the sound of Scotland crying. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, joining us live from Glasgow. Um, Uh, and number two (laughs) number two did you seriously say all you've eaten today is grapes yeah (laughs) it's been really difficult and hard (laughs) you know you could order takeout or delivery no there's lots of food in the house but it just seems really daunting like (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad I don't drink No, Gav, I know exactly how you feel. It's cool. I'm with you. Doing, like, a fist bump thing over the computer right now. Yeah. I thought I'd be fine, because I drank, like, a million pints of water when I got home last night, but, you know. You will have to intercut the booze with water, dude. Like, doing it at the end doesn't help you. It just presses (laughs) the ethanol more deeply into your kidneys, and they cry and punish you the next morning. I'm learning so much about science and biology right now. So accurate science, too. Please don't email and correct me. I would rather live in my little bubble of belief <laughs> that this is all accurate. All right, guys. So as per usual on our author talk trains, we're going to start with the very basics. Uh, Gab, what is your Spanish name? Cobweb Diamond, which is uh, not something I say yet loud that much. And <laughs> now I said it, it sounds even worse than I thought before. How did you end up with that username? I do not know. I think I basically just started a live journal when I was like 13 and was like, what two words then? Get together. (laughs) (laughs) At least it wasn't lyrics from like Evanescence. So you've got Uh, that. No, that's true. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, given that, it leads, segues into the question of how long have you been in fandom now? Oh my God. Like literally more than half my life, I think. Yeah, once I, 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 yeah, I found out about fandom when I was like eleven because I was really into Harry Potter like obsessively as a kid, and then I found out about the existence of fan fiction and then went directly from like day one of fan fiction into like full on like Harry Drakeel porn <laughs> <laughs> on dial up on my parents' computer. Nice. <laughs> of course, that right before we started recording, folks, she was just disclosing to us that had she had a child when she was twelve, she would have named that creature Snape. <laughs> It probably would be Severus. <laughs> uh, that, that still doesn't make it better. <laughs> I know, it's terrible. I remember defending Snake to one of my friend's mothers when I was like 10. I was like, no, he's a hero. He'll prove himself eventually. <laughs> well, that answers my next question, which was, what was your first fandom? Um, but leads nicely into, so what was the first fandom that you wrote for? And how did you get started writing for fandom? Oh my god. So I started writing in Harry Potter to prove to one of my friends that she was a terrible writer. What? 
Which I know it's awful. It's like so awful. Are you like I was, the like, worst 12, person? One of my friends was convinced that she was going to be like an amazing novelist. And I was like, this is so cool. I'm going to be friends with a novelist. And I read what she'd written and it was like borderline illiterate. And I was like, well, I can prove this girl wrong. That's so incredibly mean spirited. <laughs> it's horrible. I didn't actually say that to her. I was like, okay, good luck. <laughs> But yeah, I didn't produce anything that good. It was like really astonishingly kind of 13, 14 year old like Harry Potter fan fiction written under a terrible pen name that had about 15 vowels in it because I wanted to sound like an elf name. (laughs) You can probably guess how bad it was. I'm getting a very vivid image. (laughs) Was this this Harry Draco porn? It was, it wasn't, it was, it was Harry Snape. And it was very close ripoff of that story, The Mirror of Maybe. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, like, Harry was a werewolf for some reason. <laughs> I actually completely forgotten about that until a couple of months ago. And then I, I remembered it, and I somehow still had my password for the account and deleted everything. <laughs> I showed self-horror and disgust. You know, that's really brilliant that you still have the password, because I, on the other hand, have been sending emails to people who probably don't even run those archives anymore to try to get them to remove you like delete it please kill it please oh you guys have to keep it there as a record for all time i don't I, want that as a record for all time a lot oh, of my terrible I, I stuff is still out there no but when i remembered it i was in chat with someone and they were like no you have to read it and i was like i cannot face like reading this terrible vowel named like Harry Snake werewolf mo story, but I copied and pasted it into a word, a word document, so I now have it, you know, saved for posterity. Even though I've not actually reread it because it would probably kill me. <laughs> nice. Yeah. How do you even respond to that? <laughs> um, all right, moving right along. Um, stuff that we'll find embarrassing twenty years from now. Um, so your current fandoms that I know you from are Inception, basically. But what fandoms are you active in or have you been active in? Um, well, I was really just a lurker until Inception. Like, I mean, I wrote some fic in Stargate Atlantis and Hive. Mm-hmm. But, like, only a couple. And I don't think anyone really read them. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, they were probably really bad because I wrote them when I was a teenager. And then, like, Inception came along, and, like, I saw the movie, I went home, I found the kink meme, and then immediately wrote, like, a 10,000-word story, like, on public transport in three days. And it was like, wait, what just happened? (laughs) What was, what do you think it was about Inception that sort of triggered your, I don't know, whatever vomit of fic that you managed? (laughs) Well, like, I love heist movies. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome that, like, there was already a fandom that was clearly being really fast-growing. Yeah, and the writing for it. But like, I personally think that Inception is best because, uh, like, none of the characters in the movie have personalities at all. Like, they're so poorly written. You can just fuck you like. <laughs> and then like, Fanon has just completely created like Arthur and Eve. They're together for like three minutes in the whole. Movie. <laughs> we just did our mystery slash report three thousand episode of Inception last night, and we wholeheartedly agree with you. Yeah, that's basically. <laughs> like half of our conversation during that movie like the best thing is that like Arthur and Eames are like most popular and also but like they have better personalities than the main two characters like Cobb and Mal Cobb has no personality at all he's just like really upset (laughs) and then Mal isn't even a person she's just like this imaginary character you see from the perspective of a crazy guy yeah for some reason it's always a 
like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's face has to be there all the time, but <laughs> the kind of avatar for uh, Christopher, yeah. Christopher Nolan and the collective yeah. psychic pain of the universe. Yeah. I love all the cast photos where, like, Christopher Nolan and Leo are standing next to each other and they look like twins, where one of them's slightly uglier. It's like, <laughs> so plain. He's styling himself to look really similar to Christopher Nolan. I, I hope that he did that on purpose and just never told Chris Nolan. Like, I hope he did. I've and got it. Just I figured him. it out. But I just love Chris Nolan movies because it's like there's always like either an evil wife or like a dead wife. And it's like, or, or in Batman, there's like a girlfriend who dies halfway through. Is and Chris it's like, Nolan married? He, yeah. yeah it's just, but his wife produces all his movies and it's like, oh, honey, I'm just going to make another film. And by the way, I'm going to kill the wife off in the first act. I feel like I'm that lady needs to get out of like relationship. <laughs> yeah, she needs to. She needs to. She needs to love herself enough to like flee, flee yeah. for safety. Now she and Arthur both need to just get the fuck away from their respective cobs. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what that was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, moving on from like this terrible portion of the conversation let's get us kicked off with reader questions um reader and listener questions so the first one we got is one that you're gonna have to answer and mk and i are probably going to be unqualified to verify whether or not you've actually answered this question sufficiently um but it's from key and the question is what type of benders would arthur or eames be what about (laughs) Sherlock characters and i i'm just like reading this being like what (laughs) Avatar The Last Airbender Avengers. Well, this is probably because me and Cherubina and Asia just watched the whole of Avatar The Last Airbender over the course of, like, three weeks. We watched all three seasons. And it's, like, the best show I've ever seen in my life. I thought it was just a movie. No, it was a cartoon. No, it was actually, like, a really big deal about this. Because it was was this uh, kid's TV show. It was a cartoon on Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. And, like, the plotting is better than, like, adult TV shows I've seen. And, like, it's really heartwarming and lovely and, like, it's very funny and there's this vast array of, like, awesome female characters in it. And then in the movie, they were like, oh, by the way, we're going to recast everyone as white people because everyone in the TV show is Asian. And they were like, we can't have that. So they just made the villains Asian and all the good guys were white. And then they moved the plot and replaced it with, like, nonsense. And there were all these sort of, like, phantom outcry and stuff. Right. I'm probably not the right person to ask because I wasn't, like, in the phantom when that happened. I've just only seen the series. But, Yeah. I will say, so I watched the movie because my brother and his wife were, like, super into the cartoon. They're like, this is the greatest show ever, and I It tried, is the greatest show ever. I tried to it watch the cartoon. It made me over a cartoon bison. <laughs> I was not into it. But I watched the movie, and I was like, this is a shit movie. Like, it's super shit, but visually beautiful. And I could see where there were elements of things, like the actual, like, airbender idea and stuff could be amazing they could have done that movie really well they just didn't that's the thing because after i watched the show i kind of re-watched the trailer for the movie and i was really astonished because i was like even in the trailer you could tell how subpar it was compared to like the nickelodeon like 20 minutes per episode kids tv show i was like this is so bad yeah i don't know how they managed it but yeah but it's for arthur and eames being benders i'm thinking about this uh (laughs) Arthur would probably be an earthbender because he is like an architect and he's doing all the stuff with like shifting staircases around and stuff. And I guess that'd be quite useful for building in dreams. And then Eames would be a waterbender. 
maybe. I'm not really sure. I don't see this is the problem. Like since I should really work because it's like it depends where you're born, what kind of vendor you are. It's not like one of these things that comes to you, like Harry Potter. Well, okay, let's assume that our Eames was born in like West Midlands in England. Where the what the fuck kind of vendor would he be? Uh he'd probably be an earth vendor as well, but like the whole of Avatar the Last Airbender is all set in kind of like the four nations. One of them's like China, another one meant to be kind of I think somewhere in the Himalayas, maybe? Okay. And then there's, like, Inuit. And then Thailand. So there's not really much room for, like, white English guys. So basically, he's not a bender. No. <laughs> he never gets a bender. Yeah. He could be one of the Kyoshi warriors who wear makeup and do awesome dances about killing people. <laughs> and they're all ladies, but I think he'd just see that as a challenge. Oh my god, we have to move on. <laughs> no, we should talk about this some more. <laughs> All right, other questions that are coming in through Twitter. Um, number one from Valonia47. Gav, you have been requested to rate your fandoms by fashion or rate the rate the fashion in each of your fandoms. Hmm. Okay. Well, I guess right now the fic I read is mainly Sherlock. Mm-hmm. So, like, fandoms, I have to go for Sherlock and Inception and maybe Dresden Files, even though I hate the Dresden Files books, but I read quite a lot of fan fiction. It's now. fine. Everyone <laughs> hates the Dresden Files books, like everyone, but the fan yeah. fiction is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, Inception's number one, because all the costumes in that are, like, phenomenal and completely deserved a nomination for the Oscars that never got one, which is a crime. <laughs> Like, my eternal bugbear of, like, how terrible all the costume design nominations are for the Oscars. It just ruins my existence. I don't know why I care so much. Well, it always uh, goes to the historical ones, right? Because the modern fashion design just isn't showy enough for the people who are doing the nominations. But the funniest thing is that the, the woman who won last year for the Young Victoria, Sandy Powell, she's now won three Oscars. This year she was nominated again. It was her 10th nomination. Mm-hmm. And, like, in her acceptance speech for the Young Victoria, she literally said... Uh, maybe you should consider some of the people who don't do historical movies because they don't get any recognition and I already have two of these in my living room. Maybe this is all needed to again. <laughs> Those fuckers. I know, it's hilarious. <laughs> She's like, stop giving me Oscars. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I have nowhere to put them. Don't you know how expensive real estate is wherever I live? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, well, if Inception is the best performer in terms of fashion for obvious reasons, what and then what comes next? Hmm. I guess Harry Potter, probably. Really? Like, all, well, all the other things Harry Potter are, like, so cool. Yeah, that's true. Even though, obviously, it's really cheesy and it's, like, fantasy stuff. But, like, come on, Dumbledore's robe? Like, I would wear Dumbledore's robe every day. You do wear something similar to Dumbledore's robes voluntarily all the time. Well, it was have you seen Harry something? God, I'm trying to think, do I have anything like that? <laughs> the, thing is, the thing is not so much that do you actually have anything like that. It's that you have to consider the possibility. Because you know you have shit in your closet that is similar. Definitely. Yeah. Well, like, after I watched Avatar The Last Airbender, I did literally go and make myself an Avatar The Last Airbender charger. <laughs> <laughs> Which was really cool of me. Yes, that is definitely the word that I was going to use for that. Yeah, really cool. <laughs> so I'm going to sell them on Etsy because I don't realistically think I'm actually going to wear them. But yeah. if anyone wants to dress, dress up as Zuko, call me. <laughs> They'll probably just want to buy them because your hands have touched them and they want to be close <laughs> to you, Gav. 
<laughs> general miasma of my glamorous life. It's true. You guys better be careful and wash that three times before you wear it for realsies, though. <laughs> <laughs> so mean. What? I'm just talking. I'm just like speaking truth. Okay, I'm like a magical sitar. I only tell the truth. Okay. Um, God, exactly like a magical sitar. It's so true. Like anyone who looks at me, first thought, magical sitar. Where does Sherlock fall in the rankings? Um, okay, so this is really dumb. Like I have a fashion blog, and on my fashion blog I tend to review TV and movies like for costumes. Mm-hmm. And I think that the costumes in Sherlock are so dull that I reviewed the wallpaper kind of as a joke. <laughs> and like thousands of people read it. And now it's like the highest linked like post on my blog and I it's like my eternal annoyance because I keep getting comments like yeah Sherlock wallpaper is really great like I think the wallpaper is really interesting in this show and I'm like who are you <laughs> the problem is that Sherlock's is like couture wallpaper so I know but it, it's everywhere like it's unavoidable <laughs> I know but this is now going to be your cross to bear for all time yeah it's like the, my one contribution to Sherlock's fandom is like a jokey fake analyzing post about freaking wallpaper be proud i don't know i mean i'm not saying the costumes are bad in sherlock it's just that like there's not really anything to say about them apart from wow his coat looks really, looks really expensive and like irene adler is really attractive like you know <laughs> i don't know you could write a blog just about like hideous jumpers that john watson could wear <laughs> it's true. you could I newspaper articles about jumpers like in britain people are so obsessed with that shit like like the killing like the TV show The Killing, everyone's just obsessed with the jumpers on that. And I'm like, did you realize the jumpers are not focused of this Danish woman led crime drama, which is like really gripping and is a fantastically written show? And there's all these articles like, the Sarabin jumper is so in this season. And I'm like, it's a jumper. Yeah, but these are your people. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm really not surprised by anything the English or anybody in the United Kingdom does at any point now. I was going like, to say, they think it's cold, right? So, obviously... They think gonna... it's incredibly cold. Like, people keep... I keep getting these hilarious messages like, oh, are you not cold? Are you in a different part of London than all the people on my Twitter stream that are constantly bitching about how cold and no. really cold it is? No. And I was like, no, it's not cold. Well, like, today someone was tweeting me, like, and being all like, oh, I'm going to London today, and I don't have a coat. And she really worries that she's going to die or something. And I'm Just like, well, you know, like nice, I guess. And wear a scarf. You'll be fine. Well, it's like all of London is indoors anyway. Like, you're basically just getting off the underground and then into a building. So, like, there maybe two minutes of discomfort max. Yeah, the coldest I was today was when I was too lazy to button up my coat when I left the office and before I got in a cab. So, you guys need to chill the fuck out. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> we come to Scotland sometime where, like, ice coagulates from the inside of the window within five minutes. And, like, when you go outside, it's, like, the day after tomorrow and your limbs fall off. Which is, off. <laughs> which is always one of those really baffling things. Do you remember when we went... Okay, so Gav and I went to see the Eagle together. Good job. And I remember vividly early on in that movie, just, like, watching the frozen hellscape of Scotland in this movie. <laughs> I'm just like, wondering, like, why the fuck did the English want this? <laughs> it's hilarious. Like, I love it. I love that they went to so much effort to try and conquer Scotland. And, like, I just love it as well. Like, I will watch any new page as well. Just with, like, the concept of being like, we have to drive forward and conquer what's going on in Scotland. It's like, at that point, you didn't even know we had oil in the North Sea. Like, there's literally nothing there. There's nothing it's, like, there. ivory drunks and no food. <laughs> They're like sheep. There's yeah. fish, and then there's. I don't there even sheep at that point. Okay, so there's fish and there's nothing. <laughs> nothing. I don't know. I'm saying this with love. I love Scotland. Um, okay, next question. Uh, this is from Poala Bear. 
for Gav, how do clothes affect uh, Gav when she's deciding what to write since you're such a fashionista? Like, so I guess, how does that play into your writing process? Um, I actually don't consider clothes when I'm writing as much as people might think I do. Like, I think I do have probably slightly more description of what people are wearing than many authors. But, like, I don't really, I've never really written a story where clothing is the focus. And I've not written any, like, fashion AUs or anything like that. Um... I'm trying to think. Like, I haven't seen anything where it's been really significant. I think I try to turn it, like, tone it down because people already know that, like, I'm a massive fashion nerd. Like, well, I don't want to turn everyone off if they're not actually interested in clothes at all. Like, yes, that is true. But you have to say, like, I, I suspect that part of the reason that you were so into Inception as a fandom is because the aesthetic of it attracted you. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, it's such a beautiful film. Well, I just, like, have you ever read? Um, like, Bennett Seven on LiveJournal did, like, this massive post all about the costumes of Inception. I think I did a long time ago. Though. Yeah. Yeah, I read it, like, when she wrote it, like, ages ago. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. Like, I love that post. And it's like, I was, I kind of afterwards, I was like, why didn't I write this? And it's like, well, clearly because she's way better than I am. <laughs> yeah, it's because you're crap, yeah. That's I know. Exactly. <laughs> but it was, like, it was so amazing. Like, all the, like, kind of, like, analyzing every character. And also, the best thing is, like, one of the earlier when I was saying that like none of the characters in Inception really have a personality and they're all fanon. Like the best thing about like fanon Eames is there's like this vast wave of like hundreds of like fanfics where Eames is always wearing these hideous shirts and it's like God, why do you wear so much Paisley Eames? In the movie, he literally wears Paisley once and it's like the lining of his collar in one scene. Yes, but I have to like, okay, I I'm sorry, we have to discuss this because I was I was like, okay, can attest this. She interrupted the movie. She was like, um, excuse me, excuse me. I was like having a mini stroke as I was watching that movie because I'd never, I wasn't looking closely the first times I'd seen it. And I didn't realize that the hideous Paisley was just on his collar and cuffs, which somehow yeah. made that hideousness even more insulting. It was like worse than if it was just straight up Paisley. Like, he had to have gone into a store, and it wasn't like, oh, I like Paisley. It's like, oh, I like this Paisley. This Paisley is fancy. <laughs> I feel like it's super dashing with it on my collar and on my cuffs. Like, what the actual fuck? Like, the True. more I... What? It's because he knows that what turns Arthur on in terms of clothing is the little details. No, I'm pretty sure that the reason Arthur had sex with him the first time was just as a desperate measure to rip that hideous shit off of him, okay? Like, he was like, I'm gonna fuck you primarily so I can make you take that off and I don't have to look at it anymore. Little did he know that underneath all of that is ugly body art, so there's nowhere that's safe. Oh, see, that used to be my theory with Heidi and Seal. He's like, <laughs> the reason she's pregnant all the time is he's like, take off that hideous outfit. <laughs> It's fair enough. And then he broke up, so no longer, I guess. I was so genuinely upset by that. I was really upset by it. Who's going to take off her hideous clothes now? No one, because her best friend now is Tim Gunn. And as we all know, he hasn't had sex in 29 years. Stop being mean oh. to Tim Gunn. I'm not being mean to Tim Gunn. He said that. He told No, he, he said it. He, he did some kind of interview. I know, but... Really can't we just leave him be and let him have some happiness? No, because we haven't collectively found whoever broke his heart and killed him yet, so we'll never truly have avenged him. Let's move um, on to more Gav questions. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> um, this is actually the thing. I just remembered. Um, mm-hmm. No, I kind of ascribe to the theory that most of what you 
does and says in the movie is like completely him just putting on a persona. And he actually had like a vast wardrobe with a million different outfits in it. So it's like that week he was like, hmm, I think I'm going to dress like a cross between like a post-colonial, like hanging around in Havana douchebag and like a used car salesman. So we got kind of the 40s and the 70s thing mixed in with like the horrible plastic shirt and like the baggy trousers, which I personally think are amazing. Like I love his costumes. And those are technically quite hideous. And then next week he'll be dressed as like whatever, I don't know, a wizard, a chap. You know. <laughs> I can't. That just sounds you guys being disgusted at me because I have a wardrobe theory. <laughs> no, it's not even that. I'm just I was busy still reeling from the hideousness of that first outfit we saw in it. <laughs> I just love it when he meets up with Cobb and he's wearing like maroon socks. Oh, like a really big deal of showing off the maroon socks while he's sort of like purring Arthur's name in disgust, and I'm like, oh, that's amazing. so much pain. Right you like. I don't know if you peeked in my closet when you were at my house, Gab, but, like, my entire closet is, like, neutrals or power colors, and it just, like, hurts me. Which drives me insane. Uh, my closet is actually arranged in order of the rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> my, I, actually, I should take a picture of, like, my closet just for this, just to show you how terrible it is, because it's just, like, a huge pile of stuff falling over itself. Like, <laughs> other things. I have a mannequin in my room which has, like, five jackets with why do you have a minute? You know what? I'm not going to finish that question. No, nope. leave it be. I don't want the answer to that. You will okay. not like the answer. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. This is a question from Daisy Diversion Scab. Um, what uh-huh. inspires your writing? What inspires my writing? Yeah, um, because I find this to be an intriguing one too. Because in the time that I've known you, you've started roughly a million and a half stories. And I'm very, and I usually, very few people outpace me in terms of like the number of projects they kick up. But you've definitely kicked my ass on this. How do you get your ideas? Well, I particularly like when you were saying that, that I started and it kind of implies I've not finished, which is entirely true. Because I have approximately 10 billion rips on the go. <laughs> and like, and if you think that's that many, I have a whole bunch which are anonymous on the King team, which I kind of left to flounder and just abandon them to a terrible person, and I hate readers. <laughs> nice. Kind of doing my best to alienate myself from all other humans. You're alienating them anonymously, so it's not even yeah, no. <laughs> directed at you fairly. It's like I'm forever locked into Inception fandom because I've not finished like the massive like jungle fic I was writing on Carabina's LJ, <laughs> which I started in like 2010 while very very drunk and then drunk posted at her and then it like snowballed into this like 50,000 word epic which is all posted in comments on Charabina's live journal yeah and let me tell you how much fun that is for people to try and find and read that's the most (laughs) reader friendly format in the world I hate everything about this It's terrible. There were people writing side stories, which I completely didn't even find because, like, they weren't attached to my comments. So it would just be like, well, I don't know what this is. It's not my LJ. It's a post from, like, six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you still haven't answered my question, buddy. Oh, yeah, no. Where do you get um, your ideas from? Probably because it's impossible. Gosh. Um, okay, right. Major stories I've written in Inception. I'm trying to think what I was doing when I was writing them. And it's like anything I wrote on the pink meme, like the ballet stick. Mostly written when I was coming home from parties while drunk at like three in the morning. <laughs> and then I barely edited it at all. So that was really artistic and thoughtful. And then like the trans Arthur The word you wanna the word you wanna use is extemporaneous. Yeah. Very playful <laughs> and yet intellectual. It, that's exactly what it was. That's precisely how I would describe my very well written ballet AU, which yep. I 
<laughs> now I should say. So extemporaneous. <laughs> yeah. Um uh and I wrote all of like trans the the Arthur Transfic and like the things the, my first fic in Inception was the one where Arthur is like a dream. I forgot what it's called. I don't know. I think a lot of people read it though, but like I wrote both of those on subway, like doing soft <laughs> work. Okay, because I was about to ask, like, are you typing these on your phone? Because like, write them in a notebook and then type them up. Because I have, I I actually have like a flip phone. I don't even have a smartphone. I'm completely impressed by your ability to write stories longhand. Like, if I had to write anything longhand, I would basically, basically fandom. You know what stories wouldn't exist if I had to write them longhand? Any of my stories, like (laughs) drastically redefining protocol, wouldn't exist. Like, Prescavu would have just been like, I'm never writing that because I'm. I can't write longhand. I don't know how you fucking do it. And you don't even write short stories longhand. You write, like, 50,000-word epics longhand. I don't even like yeah. signing well, my I, name. Like, stuff, that, stuff that's on the King theme, that's all just written straight into the, like, like the comment boxes. Mm-hmm. All of that. Like, the ballet fic was written entirely straight into the comic book boxes. And that was, like, <laughs> mainly written, kind of, like, autumn and, yeah, autumn of 2010. So, like, I just graduated university, and I just spent the entire time going to like people's post-graduation parties then coming home and writing into comment boxes on the king queen <laughs> that is like both cool and uncool completely <laughs> <laughs> dreadful it's so easy going to parties and then coming home and writing fanfic you know because <laughs> <laughs> i was living with two ballet dancers so i was like what should i write about it's like well you know there's some source material right here <laughs> Did they fall in love? Was one of them named Arthur and prickly no. full on the inside? No, they both did go to the Royal Ballet School, though. Okay. You're both I have terrible. a million terrible Royal Ballet School anecdotes, which mainly involve stuff like teachers forcing 10-year-olds to, like, bathe their feet in ice and stuff. It's all horrifying. So I would, like, roll up this situation. I don't know. That sounds reasonable to me. That's because you're a terrible person. Just saying that if you actually want to make it, you should probably stick your feet in that ice bath. That's why I stopped oh right before I got toe shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never danced with Steph a ballet in my life. I literally know nothing about it. It's the worst. Ballet. Don't bother. Ballet is actually really fun when you're a little girl. But no, it's uh, not. Uh, it is fun when you're a little girl. If, you, if you're but going I'm to volunteer... Climbing trees and playing football and falling over in the mud and generally being a mess. I was very much a tomboy. See, I, I did that too, but I also had ballet classes. Yeah. Oh, my mom made me go to help me stop falling down, and it didn't help, but I had to do it yeah, for Yeah, I was about to years. say. Oh my god, MK, maybe if I'd done that, I would stop falling over. No, no. it doesn't work. It doesn't <laughs> work. Okay. MK is still like a world, like, a world record at class. I'm partway okay. through. I was, I was camping in the mud at that point. If it makes you feel any better, MK, while you were being forced to go to ballet, I was being forced to go to, like, figure drawing classes. Oh, I volunteered for that. No. So, oh, so many fucking bowls of fruit, dude. Oh, so I only had to draw old naked men. Bowls of fruit. I had to draw, like, a hundred eggs. I had to, when I took figure drawing, it was in Mississauga, like, kind of near UTM campus, which is basically in the middle of nowhere, like, in the forest. <laughs> at, night, men. at night, in winter. And for some reason, they couldn't get any women to come out and take their clothes Strange. off. <laughs> in, like, an isolated location at night in a snowstorm. Weirdly, that entire advertisement sounds like a 
<laughs> Sounds like a traffic. It's a massive serial killer advert. Right? Yeah. Like it was, they were like, it's oh. like, come pose mute for me. And then, by the way, it's the middle of a snowstorm. You've got to drive for three hours. Yeah. I'm going to wear your like, skin as a coat once you're done posing. Our teacher yeah. seemed to. The pre credit sequence of the Buffy episode. <laughs> our teacher seemed genuinely confused as to why no women would come out. <laughs> And uh, so at first we had like these like five dudes who they would like cycle through these like men of varying ages. And at the end, only one of them would keep coming back. And he was like 80 and super muscly, like the most muscly man I've ever seen. But because he was 80, he was also like covered in veins. Nice. Really interesting to draw. Also really horrifying. Do you still have your, do you still have your obstetrics? I would love to see how that went down. (laughs) Yeah, I bet you would. Were you any good? No. I was there with my friend, uh, Nyo, who is, like, an amazing artist who now, like, does art for a living. And I was sitting next to her, like, hmm, I can't draw naked men. Yeah. I always love when parents do shit like that because, okay, to be fair, I was actually a very good artist. I was, like, putting together my portfolio for college and all that other stuff, but I just didn't like it. And I have really vivid memories of, like, having fights with my father where he was like, no, you need to put together your design portfolio. It's the only way you're going to get accepted at, like, all of these prestigious design schools. And, like, me being like, no, Dad, I want to write for a living. And he's like, you can never get away with writing for a living. <laughs> so he would, like, go into the incredibly lucrative world of art and design. <laughs> hey, wait, that's my job. It was, like, for me, I was, like, after I'd been at university for literally, like, two and a half years, I was practically graduated. My mom kind of casually dropped into conversation, like, oh, God, we, we always wondered why you didn't go to design school. And I'm, like, well, because I assumed you wouldn't even slightly pay for it because it's, like, design school. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, like, incredibly bitter, kind of, like, no, three oh. years of incredibly awesome, like, university down the drain when I could have been designing dresses and having no money that way. You can still do that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Let's, let's I like on. how the theme of this podcast is literally just like whining about Scotland. I love I Scotland. Actually, we both actually love Scotland is the thing. I want to go back. I do too, but I want to go back to Edinburgh. Yeah. You should go to Edinburgh in August when the Edinburgh Festival's on. That's the time to go. That's when I, I was know. there. I'm kind of like afraid to go to Edinburgh in August because it's just, it's packed, isn't it? Yeah, well, but it's, it is, awesome. but, like, it's worth it. You know, you can go to, like, five shows in a day, and they're, like, you can get tickets for, like, a fiver each, and then just go to, like, random shit. You can go to, like, an amazing, like, serious play, and then five minutes later, go to, like, some terrible stand-up by, like, someone who wants to talk about, like, their money problems or something, and then, like, a musical about werewolves. There's only, like, of the three things that you listed, I would want to do none of those. Like, I'm, I'm seriously... Right. Last year, I went to or a musical called Hamlet House of Horrors. It was yeah, amazing. That's not a selling point. No, no, here, true, true. At the same time that the Fringe Festival is on, there is also, like, an antique book-selling convention. Oh, my God! Yeah, and it's amazing. But the whole of Edinburgh is continuously, like, an endless antique book-selling convention. Yeah, this is, like, a big one. It's I don't know, I guess, you know, like, one time I stayed at the festival for the whole month and stayed with one of my friends and worked in, like, a shitty, hippie cafe. It was amazing. But I stayed I at the university. Salad from Amanda Palmer and then nearly cried with excitement. So. See, the more I talk to you, Gav, the more I believe that your life is basically just, like, what Eames did before he became a professional thief. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, your existence where you're like, I don't know, let's do this thing. It's, and then you have, like, ridiculous Twitter updates and you're just like, yeah, okay. That's Gav's life. Or 
It's 25-year-old Eames. Yeah, no, no, listeners, uh, Slash Report listeners, last night I went to a Balkan club night where it was in a basement, and you go downstairs, like, in the dark and surrounded by concrete, and the first thing that you're greeted by is a belly dancer handing you a shot of vodka and a slice of dried fig. <laughs> yeah, so real life doesn't work like that. That's why I feel so bad today, because it basically went on for, like, five hours. <laughs> But there was like a 15 feet brass band in this place set onto a stage which definitely was not supposed to fit 15 people. Nice. The thing about it is though, I that I find really amazing is that like, okay, obviously every single one of us has had a couple of years like that, right? Where you just like trip down some steps into a bar that you're probably not supposed to be in. But like at some point people stop and you're just like, no, I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> I'm just going to keep on fucking keeping on. Like, yeah, bring on the belly dancers and vodka shots. I don't know. You say that like it's kind of a bad thing, but all I'm hearing is that's awesome. <laughs> I, I, I'm jealous is what I'm actually <laughs> trying to say, is that now in my hideous life of being a square, I just look back and on like an adult responsible job. The, the, rampant, the rampant debauchery that's your existence. And I'm like, damn it! I want to take vodka from a belly dancer and then write it into fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> There's a belly dancing club near me. I'm thinking my future is Eames now. Like, it seems very unlikely because I'm quite shy and retiring. But, like, no. I'm sure that secretly, in his secret heart, he's also shy and retiring. But all you have to do is figure out, A, dream crime, and B, how to become a forger. And then you'll be set. Then you can be as unshy and unretiring as you want. But you won't be yourself. So you can be an asshole. And I already have the huge wardrobe of costumes. So I it's can true. Stuff. You're completely, I, I think we've discovered what your future is going to be. This is awesome. I'm excited for you. Now we just have to find you an Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> Don't sound so excited. <laughs> yeah, you did actually sound quite sad about that. You need to find someone who wears like amazing sharp suits that isn't a douchebag. So far a crossover that I'm yet to find. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that too. They don't really exist. Yeah, to be fair, Arthur. Well, is I like sort of crazy. my brother. Like, I brought up my brother to be like a really snappy dresser. I mean, I'm kind of taking this credit because I'm sure he would have been otherwise. But like, <laughs> he always wears like bow ties, and he habitually wears like an RAF great coat, like Captain Jack Harkness. Nice, because that's but, that's exactly what he but, needs in his life on top of his name. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're really not helping him. Nope. This is like the definition of you're making it worse, Gav. You dressed him like the 11th Doctor and Captain Jack Harkness, is what you're saying. I I just approve of the way he dresses. Very stylish. Like, he told me yesterday his new style icon was some, like, German general from, like, before the First World War. And I was like, what? How did he even find this person? No, I've forgotten his name. It was like... Gerbhardt something? I can't remember. But it was like this, I looked him up on Wikipedia and it was like this guy who wears like a giant black cape and one huge epaulette and had like a mustache. Wait, no, you can't let him go down that road. I <laughs> met someone's dad who dressed that way. Well, he dressed like, like a fat, kinky, gray-haired tuxedo mask and everyone else in the room was wearing like jeans and a t-shirt and it was hella <laughs> awkward. No, I think I think my brother is not in danger of reaching that. I think it's not that bad. You have to keep him on the straight and narrow, okay? Like you have to watch for the signs. I can't. He just moved away to university, so I can't. I can't, you know, monitor him for ridiculousness. Just he's unsupervised now. We have to trust his own judgment. He's on Twitter. He's like a clockmaker. It's going to be very, you know, useful. 
I still don't know if we fully actually explored the where do you get your inspiration for writing question. Wait, are we still on that? I think, <laughs> yes. I think the answer was like from being drunk. Like drinking and being on public transport. Often a combination of the two. I'm trying to think of any story where I actually had any kind of inspiration. Um, uh, no, I'm drawing a blank. Wow. No, actually, I'm not, actually, I'm not actually surprised by that. Because whenever I ask people questions like that, I, the, the really prolific writers that I talk to all seem to have the same answer, which is like, I have no fucking clue. Yes, it the ear. It just I happens. Mean, when I was writing lots and lots, like kind of towards the end of 2010, like in the, like in the, the, the spring of Inception fandom, mm-hmm. basically I, I answered a lot of Kate films just because I'd see something and be like, oh, that looks hilarious. Better do that then. Yeah. Like just writing to order. <laughs> it is kind of fun, right? Like when you're on yeah. the kink meme and you're like, that's a great idea. Yeah. And you're anonymous anyway, you may as well go for it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's that the yeah. That's how I tripped into the ones that I filled. Um, I'm curious though, like, so I'm sure that a lot of people who are listening to this are big fans of your work, and I think one of the most impressive things about your writing is that you have it's really richly textured. You have really clever dialogue, and you have very intricate plots. And yet, all of that, especially given how you describe the way that you write, right? Like, if you're on a train, you're not really thinking about it. This is not something that you've outlined and that you've mulled over for a long time. How do you think that you end up with these stories that are seemingly so complex, but so kind of off the cuff? Um, Well, regarding plot complexity, I don't really think of my stories as being that complex. Like, I don't have any sort of exciting double crosses planned when I'm writing it. And, like, I don't really go for, like, okay, one of my good friends is a playwright. And I've seen her write. And, like, she agonizes over every word and sentence choice and, like, every twist and turn of characterization. Mm-hmm. And, like, my general method is just to vomit everything out. <laughs> so, like, I honestly can't really answer that question very well. Ooh. I mean, for most of, like, for my long thing, especially, like, I... I would just write it and then not really even edit. Like, I've only only two of my fix in fandom have even been like beta read. Most mm-hmm. of it I just posted. I completely know how that goes. <laughs> um, do you ever? So then the question kind of is: Do you ever feel pressure to like change the way that you write, or like do you ever feel like oh maybe I should beta or this is just fun uh, for the way it is? I mean, sometimes I, the, the two things I beta read were Belchmert and The Valley Six. Mm-hmm. And like, for the first, it was because I needed someone to check over to make sure that I hadn't like cocked anything up stupendously and I was going to like offend people with like incorrect terminology and like I didn't want, and it, it was probably like the smartest of the fix I've written because it's not like completely ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> whereas practically everything else I've written has been really ridiculous. And then the ballet thing, just because it was so long, I was like, I need to have someone else to spell check this because I'm too much of a lazy bum. <laughs> that is actually what I am making love yeah. to right now. So I feel like, uh, I think the first one of the two that you mentioned is the first story of yours that I remember reading. Oh, no, is that, yeah, no, I actually remember that because that was when you were like, we should have dinner. And I was like, okay, I don't actually have a you before, but sure. <laughs> I'm always, see, this is, like, the thing. I'm always, like, it, does that come off as creepy? I'm just, like, I'm kind of just... Well, I don't know, like... Should I not do that anymore? If someone seems interesting and they ask me to dinner, it's, like, why not? <laughs> I mean, one time I met up with a guy in a graveyard because he left, like, Lisa. No, no! <laughs> yeah, that's different than me saying... Oh, my God. Well, I'm just saying, 
saying, like, you're definitely not creepy compared to the fact that I met compared a stranger. Compared to the fact that you met a dude at a graveyard, okay? Like, this is not a good sliding scale. Like, it was some kind of performance art thing he was doing, and I did bring someone oh, with you're me. making this worse. This is also... It's just, I yeah. bodyguard with me. Okay, let's just excise that from the podcast. No, you're going to have to live with that shame forever. That's staying in. Oh. But it's also <laughs> shameful. Yeah, he's he spoke in verse, and then drew a picture of me and my friend, and we gave him a flower garland. It was pretty awful. What? No, moving on. <laughs> I can't breathe. See, yeah. if you went to Edinburgh Festival, this is the kind of thing you two could experience. I'm never going to a festival <laughs> now, never. No. Holy shit. Well, that does it. I'm never asking anyone to dinner randomly again. Oh, uh, the only person who's out creepy on that scale is this guy. I can't, I can't live with that. <laughs> no, I'm saying that lots of people have out creepy. You were not remotely creepy in the slightest. <laughs> I'm like, this is on your sliding scale, Gab, which I'm becoming really, really suspicious of. <laughs> Everything about this is terrible. This is so terrible. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read that, look back at this, and just be like, that's awful. I hate everything about myself. <laughs> Podcast of shame. <laughs> it is kind of beautiful that like your filthy porn fanfics are some of like the least objective, like objectionable things that you've done. The thing is that like I don't even have like filthy porn fanfics. I literally have written like two sexually explicit fanfics, and I was like about a billion. So, yeah. Hold on, that is true. I feel like maybe I'm tarring you with an inappropriately semen covered brush here. Hmm. Oh no, I'm okay with it. It's just that you know, I haven't really written. I read, I wrote one for Terabine's birthday because it was like you know, you know what she likes. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, if it keeps on dipping, I come. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and like one other sexually explicit one I wrote was for it was for the King meme, and then when I reposted on my live journal, it was basically like my worst ever fandom experience regarding like a real life friend. Oh no! Terrible. It was like um, one of my good friends from high school. Is like quite politically conservative and very like feminine, <gasps> and like always has like perfect makeup and like she doesn't like women to discuss the fact that they menstruate and that kind of thing. Wow. And the one time when she decided to look at my live journal was when I just posted this, and she read <laughs> it and then started posting comments on it like with lines of like really sexy stuff from the, the fic, and like it's now immortalized on this fic like this little <laughs> thread between us, and it's basically just me and my soul slowly dying and shriveling into a reason of death oh and her like just like, ruining everything by like quoting awful lines that come at me and I was like kill me let the world follow me up <laughs> yeah you know what okay I that's never happened to me but I'm gonna tell you a story that's gonna make you feel slightly better about this okay so when I was in college my last two years I lived with my very good friend who <laughs> I'm just already laughing she knows the story yeah I'm good who I met in fifth grade and we had basically gone to school like we had gone to school together the entire time and we had been in and out of each other's classes um so my last two years of university I was her roommate and one day and this is like you told me this this is awful yeah it is awful but I'm gonna share with the rest of the class now just to like remind you that it could be worse so like this is during the heyday of SGA fandom and I think this was right after I had, in case you guys didn't know this, I once wrote a story where Rodney gets gang banged. 
after Lost Boys. And it still remains the most annoying thing I ever wrote because it was Rodney and like four dudes, none of whom had a name on the show. Oh, well, interesting point for the listeners here. Prue is actually the person who told me what DP meant. So Yeah, it was my proudest moment. Did I tell yeah. you this in Dim Sum? Were we like in a public place when I had to explain double penetration? I don't I don't remember. Uh, (laughs) anyways so um i just written this like completely graphic very questionable two in the o like (laughs) gangbang of running k and my roommate came back from spending the weekend at home and she's like standing in the living room giving me this very strange look and she says i have to ask you a question and i was like um okay she's like all right don't get weird about this so uh, of course, I'm like, oh, shit, something bad has happened. She sounded like a thing. Like, the frequent occurrences where, like, I walk into the hall naked and her boyfriend is there. Like, have finally gotten to her. Like, who knows, right? Um, instead, she says, so are you, like, into fan fiction? And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, uh, why? Like, completely refusing to answer the question. Like, why? Why are you asking me this? She's like, well... Because you know those ants that my mother and I visit sometimes? And I was like, yes. She's like, they're not biologically my ants. They're my mom's friends from when she was in Highlander fandom. Oh, no. Yes. I mean, I remember <laughs> this, but it's still horrifying. It's so bad. And I was like, oh, God, where is this going? And she says, look, I'm just going to say it. They wrecked my mom a story this weekend. And then my mom read some stuff on the journal of the person who wrote the story. And then she had to ask me whether or not it was me. Because (laughs) only possible candidates who wrote this, given environmental factors, (laughs) were either my roommate or me. And I just, like, remember all the blood. Like, (laughs) that's so much worse than mine. I felt like my soul leave my body. I would have died. I would have just expired on the thought. Like, the greatest part about this, right, is that, like, I've known her family forever, so, like, I go to Passover at their house, and I had to go to fucking Seder, like, two months later. <laughs> I had to, like, go and hold the Gata and, like, drink fucking Manischewitz, and I'm like, oh, my God, your mother has read my Rodney McKay gangbang I don't know, MK. It's not really a discussion we had. If she liked it, she probably read the rest of it. For all you know, she's an avid fan now. That that makes it worse. Thank you. Now I have to. Yeah, she put herself to completely. Thank you. Now I have to delete all of my fanfiction on the internet. Don't do that. I hate you. (laughs) Delete all the ones you like first. So the first thing I'm going to delete is the Sherlock story with her cats. No, cat (laughs) fic. So yes. Anyways, the point is, Gav. Like. I'm, I'm I'm with you. I've been I've been badly outed before too. What was the question? Were you asking me about dinner invitations? No, that was that was that was our little deviation into like how people are creepy. This whole the question podcast was, is a deviation. It's <laughs> <laughs> originally about how you sort of like maintain the quality in your fic, especially when it's like so off the cuff. But I guess maybe the answer seems to be your magic. <laughs> Well, also, I would argue that I don't maintain the quality because there's, like, a large proportion of the stuff I've written is, like, total garbage. Oh, disagree. But, like, I don't think anyone can read all of it because there's so much. But, uh, that's, like, a challenge accepted moment for the <laughs> Yeah, it's, like, 
check out my master list and you can see like the huge quantity of unfinished whips which are never going to be finished and then also there's all the non stuff which isn't listed there because I lost it like there's I've written so much that I regularly completely forget that I've written something and then I'll find like well not anymore because I don't really need that much inception fix but like last year I'd come across something that would take me and be like hey this is interesting and then like three parts in be like wait I wrote this damn one I never finished this I'm a terrible human <laughs> This is why I like you so much, Gav. It's because you're just so, so magic. All right. Here's, here's one of like our last questions before we get to the recommendation sections when I was like asking the most. So people love your writing, whether or not you feel comfortable accepting that it is a truth and you can have to live with it. You're very good at what you do. A lot of people read your stuff and they're probably wondering, okay, I would like to write a fanfic. How do I do this? You know, how do I be good? What are your words of wisdom for beginners or people who are trying to improve their work? Oh, <laughs> um, well, probably don't follow my method of heavy drinking and writing in the subway longhand. Because I don't think that's something that apparently works for many people. Because, um, like, for Inception, definitely, like, most of what I write is completely hinging upon, like, Arthur and Ian talking to each other and interacting with each other. Which, like, for the first few months of writing, I didn't even think about it. It was just something I absorbed via fanfic, because the whole thing is just canon as opposed to canon. So I guess you have to have, like, a good handle on the way your main characters interact with one another. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I don't really have any very good advice. <laughs> um, no. What do you guys? Do you guys have good advice? <laughs> I don't know. Because this is, your, this is your author talk. I know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to think, do I have any, like, worthwhile, useful advice? Um, what has helped you in the past when you were stuck? When I was stuck, big stuff, I, that pretty much answers itself, considering how many whips I just abandoned in the middle, because I was like, eh, I'm stuck, I can't write this all in one go, I guess I'll just skip on to the next thing. So actually, I'm a terrible role model. Don't do what I do. <laughs> um, God, this, this question is going in, like, a really sad direction that I was interested <laughs> like tragic loss and abandonment like I just leave my children by the wayside and go off to like be impregnated by another story idea and what is next in yeah. yeah I'm not really sure why I just recharacterize myself as a Shakespearean harlot there but I guess I'll just go with it um uh, <laughs> writing an AU don't bother with research because nobody ever notices <laughs> that's a fucking lie <laughs> yeah, but like I get comments from like ballet dancers on the ballet stage being like, "Are you a dancer? You know so much about it." And I'm like, "The only research I did for this was Wikipedia and some French terms because I can't spell French." Yeah, that's because the nice people will comment to your face. The mean people write essays about how much they hate you elsewhere. Um, that's all right, true. I'm not gonna let you dangle in the wind anymore. Let yeah. us. <laughs> If I think of some more advice, I'll tell you later, but like I can't really think of anything. Okay, that will be helpful. I will tweet that at some point. Yeah. People people do not follow my advice or my example and like find someone who's like a really kind of serious writer who thinks about their works before they put them down and uses beta readers. Oh my and like God. doesn't destroy their body with poisonous substances. I don't know. <laughs> You've just described the opposite of everyone who's a successful writer that I know. I hope you understand. Actually, like just like there's a formula. <laughs> think so because like if you do the if you do the opposite of all this stuff you will be boring and you'll never finish anything so maybe you should kind of be a shitty person and lead a shitty poorly judged life and then stories will happen i don't know um i I could do i could write in workshops where i I invite people to my house parties 
Yeah. And then we talk about bad movies, and then afterwards, you all just come out with like an opus. <laughs> yes, do it. You should charge money for it. Yeah, for sure. That's my new job. Party planner, quote unquote. Definitely. A plus. You realize that they're going to be dudes who show up there thinking that you're going to give them hookers, right? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just letting you know that that's going to happen. All right, we're going to move right along. Move right along and uh, land in recommendations. So first thing I like to do before I let you get to the wrecks of other people where it's less awkward, of your stories, what is your favorite that you've written? That if, and if you had to, like, everyone has to read one of your stories, which one would it be? Um, probably the first fic I, I wrote, which I've forgotten the title of, which is good. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the one where Arthur is a projection and Eve falls in love with him and then afterwards he's like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> How about this, uh, listeners? Gav will send us a link to that. And we'll yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should cut that part as well. It doesn't, doesn't really uh, show me off very well. No, that's fine. We'll keep it forever. <laughs> okay. And now we can... <laughs> Yeah, the other one I advise would be Valtimert, the transfic, where Arthur is female-to-male transgendered. Which I can also recommend. It's basically just an action story, though. It's like, it's like typical Inception action story. Yeah, which is the greatest thing about it, because any any story like that, you would go into it thinking that it's going to be about issues and feelings and angst. And- I hate issue fix. It's like my worst thing ever. I hate it. I hate all issue fix when people want to talk about like their problems in fanfic. <laughs> like, you know, like in I was reading in Thor fandom like uh, a couple months after Thor came out. I was like, I was really, I was so into like Loki, and I was like, Loki's amazing. But there were like three or four stories that would just be like Loki having an eating disorder, and I'm like, this is ruining the whole fun for me, and I'm giving that. <laughs> now I want to go look up Loki eating disorder. Fake, thanks a lot. Um, no, no. But that I, I think that's the reason I like that story so much because it it's it deals with a really interesting subject that under normal circumstances would be buried underneath issue fic, but instead it just it frames it the way that actual things in real life happen. You know, like there's really charged emotional stuff that you have to get on with it. Yeah, but um, also, like, I got quite, like, I hadn't really read that much, like, think of that with that kind of theme. Mm-hmm. And then I, so I got quite a lot of comments being like, oh, I've never read anything like this before. And I'm like, this really surprised me because, like, most fandoms are, like, in sort of, like, most major fandoms are sort of sci-fi and action-y or, like, recently have been, like, Avengers and Stargate Atlantis. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there must be, like, loads of things in all those fandoms that deal with, like, transgender issues and stuff like that so it's yeah, like why are you writing action thing? why are you writing something where someone's really depressed and talking about therapy and going through like emotional problems when have you, you ever met fandom like you, have you like been introduced to the neighborhood like can you see <laughs> the people that we hang with like fandom loves that shit we like eat it up with a spoon no. <laughs> I guess I'm just quite bad at fandom then <laughs> don't worry I made me seem like an asshole like I actually haven't read any of this thing so like I can't judge it I'm sure like there's loads of like amazing stories out there but no you're I not. them so actually being an asshole is like a requisite to get on the podcast so <laughs> I'm so upset <laughs> people are gonna listen to this and be like I hate her <laughs> I'm gonna love the shit out of you you'll be fine um, all right so now that we've got our shit together, let's do the last portion of our games today, which is uh, recommendations. Gab, do you want to get us started? Okay. Um, well, in Charlotte fandom, I picked The Important Bit by Saul Shine, which basically encapsulates like my perfect Sherlock John fic. And I just read the other day. And like, my opinion of Sherlock is that like I'm completely into canon. Like, I want a story where like 
John and Sherlock are totally sexless life mates, where, like, John is, like, a terrible man whore who has failed relationships with women who are, like, you're awful, why are you so deaf your life mate? And then Sherlock is, like, a mildly abusive, yet obsessive asexual who's, like, John, you're going to be with me forever. And, like, this story is, like, <laughs> it's, like, a long relationship story, which eventually culminates in my, fir- my favourite trope of Sherlock Holmes' all fandom, which is they move to Sussex to keep these... <laughs> What happened in canon? I know. I completely love like beekeeping. If your story ends with Charlotte beekeeping, preferably with John in the same house, and then being old men together, I am like, I'm there. I will read it. I will read all 10 billion words of it. If it ends in beekeeping, I'm happy. <laughs> right. And like, I just find out that Neil Gaiman has just written another Sherlock Holmes story. Oh, well, and, it, and it's And it's Holmes. Um, beekeeping but apparently it's him being really depressed and beekeeping and i'm like gaiman why are you ruining this why do you have depressed beekeeping it should be happy friendship times beekeeping that's the only but, you kind know, of beekeeping i know one to oh my God. and um next wreck what was that next wreck oh yeah <laughs> okay um my other Sherlock wreck is the at least there's the football um series which is mycroft lestrade which i love Love oh, that's well. I guess you probably must have read it. Since so you just written some awesome Lestrade fic, but like, I the concept of like this pairing boggles my mind. Exactly. Like, like it's just it's really odd. Like they don't meet in the show, and it shouldn't really work. But this story, like this series, is the best. Like they somehow managed to make the characterization like gel so well, and, and like the whole thing. It's just like Lestrade and Mycroft when they meet, it seems very real, like it could be something from the show, but like their characterizations are fleshed out in such a way that like the relationship develops really well. Mm-hmm. So Mycroft is this kind of really socialized genius who has like no sexual experience. And he kind of like, if there was like a friendly and mature version of Sherlock, I guess. Yeah. And then Lestrade is like 100% like British blokey bloke, which like I Next find man for the Sherlock thing I've read. People of, I think it's like either I'm really picky or there's people who have quite like a lot of people have bad rip pickers. Because <laughs> like I will read stuff and be like throw out the story really regularly by stuff which seems really strange and Americanized. <laughs> but like I'm not sure if that's because like a lot of people who write Sherlock thick are quite like into British culture, so they think they know everything. And then well, I think the, I, I think the other thing that kind yeah. of comes through is that you can fake it more with very posh people in terms yeah. of fan fiction and like a ton of people get their Brit pick in history from like fucking Harry Potter right like when it comes to actual working and middle class people in Britain you don't really see that represented as much in popular mm-hmm. culture so there's tons of things that you don't get until you live here or you actually have someone who is actually familiar with the vocabulary and like what people sort of do and can read over your stories but yeah just I find that in, in Eames' characterization in Inception fandom, like, there's so many stories where it's, like, Eames comes from old money. Yeah. And, like, there's some stories where that's been, like, beautifully executed. And, like, I've been, like, I completely get behind that. But I find that it's kind of, like, people just fall back on that because it's what you see on TV or, like, you've watched too much Downton Abbey recently and it's time to make everyone a lord. And it's, like, newsflash. There's about 12 lords in the whole thing. And, like, they're all unbearable. They probably work in Dubai and have no chance. <laughs> that is not fair. Like, one of, at least one of them, at least one of them is a paintings appraiser for Antiques Roadshow, who is a lovely man. <laughs> <laughs> and I love him. 
I mean, I would kind of like an like a, an Inception thing where Ian really is old money, but like a really unbearable kind that like went to St Andrews University and like knows nothing about the rest of the world and like decided to become a criminal because like he was bored and actually he's really really terrible at it. <laughs> that would be great. You should write that after you get dressed yeah. tonight. <laughs> that can be the next project. But like, okay, the next the next wreck I have is in our line of work by Linkia Blue, who used to be called In Jumpbox. This pick is amazing. Like, every single story by Linkia Blue is, like, my favorite. She is my number one favorite writer in Inception, for sure. I've reread everything she's written a million times. And In Our Line of Work is probably her best story, I think. Or is my favorite, anyway. Mm-hmm. It's one where Arthur wakes up, and it turns out that, like, the last ten years of his life has been a dream, and, like, a dream experiment type thing in the military. And, like, he's been in a shared dream with Eames and, like, Cobb and the rest of the characters and like he goes out to find them again which means he's 19 which means he's physically 19 and mentally awesome Arthur so like for anyone who's into age difference type stuff you know you're like <laughs> aka the entire fandom <laughs> uh, yeah. so it's like 19 year old Arthur is like a massive badass and like goes around using his like new military knowledge from like his dream like kick ass take names and like rescue and kidnap which is basically like my entire brain like condensed into the perfect fit i was like if someone gets kidnapped in the story and then rescued by their boyfriend or whatever i will read it it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like the whole premise of like my jungle fic which is like fifty thousand words of drunk fic on charity and lj literally just arthur gets kidnapped and ian saves him wait a minute words. that's you yes, did that ever get finished no it's- nearly finished it never got finished because like it's all now in a google doc waiting for like one scene to be finished for yeah, like months i believe i, I was reading it. that and I then hate. i had trouble finding the rest of it and it was like fuck everything and I, like got angry and stopped <laughs> yeah that's okay i think a lot of people did i think people got pissed off and were like why haven't you finished this and like people tweet me quite a lot and they're like where's the rest of this and i'm like well up my ass <laughs> in the mail <laughs> it's in the post it'll come yeah, totally. It's like I've been I've been in the process of writing like the last ten thousand words for about fifteen years. Well, um, it's it's a relief. Okay, my laptop is literally running out of battery now, so I'm gonna have to plug this in. And you're gonna have to put up with shooting noises. I think. <laughs> or, like the last. Just, just, just to give you guys some context as to why this is particularly hilarious. <laughs> We troubleshooted the shrieking noise you heard at the beginning of the podcast. And after like a series of completely ludicrous deductions that were made here, we realized that for some reason it's Gav's power cord. And not only like if it's plugged in, it makes the shrieking noise. If the power cord is in the room with the laptop. And you know, it's you know, you know, a secret dangerous live signal. I don't know, but it's fast. <laughs> No, there's no universe in which that should happen. And yet, I know. It's a fucking power cord. <laughs> All right. Uh, are you plugged in? But yeah, um, Linkia Blue, like, for sure, my favorite Inception writer. I've, like, probably described that really badly in that story, but it's fantastic, and you should read everything she writes, because she's awesome. And um, also, this is kind of embarrassing because it's like whenever she posts a new thing, I basically like jizz all over on LJ, and like I've never spoken to her, and she's not really involved in fandom, so I just come across as like a crazy stalker. This will definitely that. make you sound like less of a crazy stalker. Yeah, I know. Now that you talked about this on the podcast, you'll sound uh, much more normal. Now. All of me, delete everything I've said. You know what you should do? You should send her an email <laughs> asking her to come meet you in the graveyard to do a performance. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, tell me. <laughs> 
Okay, um, next, Inception Wreck. Um, a Little Foolishness and a Lot of Curiosity by Eleven Inches. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also known as the Dumb Arthur Fic. <laughs> and it's basically a story where Arthur is like a himbo. And it's like perfect. It's the funniest thing ever. It fits in with canon really well. But like to explain what a himbo is. I mean, I don't know because I'm an asshole, but just in case. Oh yeah. Well, basically, he's like a male bimbo. So it kind of uh, Eames and all the rest of the people in Dreamshare are all really quite intellectual, and they'll be having serious discussions about like how to psychoanalyze the mark. And in the background, Arthur will be like filing his nails and reading GQ. <laughs> and Eames is like, "This is amazing. Arthur just doesn't care. He doesn't give a shit. Like he doesn't." have any time for these stupid conversations where we all try to one-up each other and like he just becomes like infatuated with Arthur and he's so amazed by like how aloof Arthur is and like how hot he is and everything and then everyone else is like you do realize Arthur is like really really dumb <laughs> and he's like I can't believe you can be so mean to Arthur he's amazing like the moral of the story is in the end he finds out Arthur is in fact completely quite stupid and like he has this list of things to Wikipedia which I completely identify with because I too frequently have lists of things to Wikipedia. <laughs> and, yeah, and then they fall off, and it's perfect. <laughs> okay. You should read that, because it's really funny and amazing. And I would read, like, so many sequels to this. I would read sequels and side stories of Arthur being exactly the same character as he is in Inception, but also, like, quite dumb and has no interest in anything remotely intellectual and is like, I'll just sit around and watch Jersey Shore, okay? <laughs> so, that's amazing. <laughs> Last wreck. Um, Last Wreck is Horrible History's The Big Gate Episode by Mithry Gale. Um, this is like my favourite Yuletide fic ever. It was uh, it was this year. And if anyone, I'm not sure if everyone knows what Horrible History's is, so like, just a little bit of background. It's like, originally, it was a series of children's books, mainly in Britain, but I think it's probably overseas as well. And it's like, humorous retellings of history. So it's like, it's like a history textbook, but really entertaining. So like, I would say that pretty much every one of my generation has read at least one, if not very many horrible <laughs> history books. And like as a kid, because they're great. And like I swear I learned more from horrible history books about like ancient Greek and Roman culture than I did in like the first one or two years of my degree, which was in ancient history. So <laughs> the stuff sticks with you because it's very funny. But like they made a TV show which is a combination of sketch comedy and songs. And it's like the best thing the BBC has produced apart from Doctor Who and Sherlock is just the best. <laughs> Hilarious. Like it's all adult sketch comedy. But like it's produced on the CBBC, so it's, like, technically for eight-year-olds. So, like, if anyone <laughs> is interested in, in, like, the idea of that, just, like, YouTube some horrible history sketches. There's, like, a Charles II rap, and, like, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it has a song teaching kids about hieroglyphs, which uses the word logographic in, like, a children's comedy TV show where, like, people wear silly costumes. It's, like, the best show ever. <laughs> but, like, um, this Yuletide fic is, like, uh, it's historical scenes from famous people in history who are queer. Nice. And there is like they've written it in the style of the show. So there's like a few that are just a song and other ones are little comedy sketches. And they've recorded the song. So like they have one that's like Christopher Marlowe like dancing along a street singing about like all the guy all the dudes he sang. <laughs> and like and um yeah there's there's one that's like Vivaldi maybe I can't remember. It's fantastic though. You should go and listen to the songs and read it. And, yeah, appreciate the genius. <laughs> and you don't really have to have seen any of the show to understand it. That sounds fantastic. MK, your Rex? Uh, so I obviously I picked two stories of Gab's that I like the best. Uh, and she's already talked about one of them, but it's 
Uh, the actually the title of the one where Arthur is a projection when Eames meets him is called Life in Virtual Reality. Oh, nice! Oh, oh there you go. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the title. It's actually it's like a beautiful, beautiful story. Like I just I like everything about it. I thought it was really sweet, and it's like a little bit of a mystery, which is fun. So yeah, I liked that one a lot. <laughs> Um, and the other one, where did I put you, uh, is called You'll Be So Pristine, which is, uh, Arthur gets a tattoo on the inside of his wrist, and then does everything he can to prevent anyone from finding out about it. Okay, well, that's a really strange one, because, like, I put some of my stories on AO3, and that's by far the most popular one that I reposted. Like, I kind of didn't post everything, because I was too lazy, but... Yeah, like, more people have read that than any of the others, and I was like, why is this so popular? But, you know, it's nice. So. I like the idea of, like, <laughs> Arthur having, like, this, like, he's just so, it's not like he's ashamed of it, but he's like, tell nobody. And of course <laughs> it comes out. Like, of course it does. It's his secret. He's allowed to have secrets, except from Eames, because Eames is a sneaky, invasive fucker. Exactly. Well, like, when you were asked what what inspiration I got, that one literally was just, like, Fox Cub commented on my LJ being like, I want you to write a story where Arthur has a secret tattoo. And I was like, eh, okay. So if yeah. I tell you to do stuff, will you just do it? Well, I might give you, like, an unfinished whip that, like, never finishes. <laughs> what if I command you to finish a whip? Would that work? No. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, all the people who are enraged by me not finishing the jungle whip. It was like, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> and let's finish, like, five minutes before the main action denouement where people kind of, like, blow off a forest and then, like, fall in love and elope. It's like, you're not going to get that part. You're just going to get up, like, like 45,000 words of, like, cock-blocking UST. <laughs> oh, so mean. <laughs> it's beautiful. That's why I like her. <laughs> so super mean. All right, moving on to my Rex. <laughs> Both of which are Sherlock. Um, the first one is, if anyone knows of a place to read this that's not on the kink meme, please let me know. Um, the first one is called, and MK, you're going to have to tell me, if I've already read this before, let me know. Okay. The first one is called Father Trap by Trillzebels. Um, and Father Trap is essentially what you think it would be. It is a Sherlock BBC <laughs> Parent Trap AU. And it is, like, one of, it is one of the most marvelous things I have ever read. So this is really good, because I saw this on Penboard, and I was like, no. No, no, no. It is so good for me. It is incredibly well done. And it, it's, I mean, everyone, for, like, the three people who were, you know, living in a cult as a child and, like, somehow missed the 38 million reruns of The Parent Trap, either the original or Lohan versions, um, it's basically just a story where two uh there are a pair of twin girls whose parents get divorced and in a brilliantly mature stroke the parents decide like each one takes one kid and they'll never speak of the fact that there's like a father and like a whole sister out there somewhere in the world and they both get sent to the same summer camp they figure it out and then they conspire to get their parents back together so take all of that and assuming that one of the parents is John Watson, and the other one is Sherlock Holmes, and it is wonderful, and in another moment of not slagging off on Scotland, John has moved to Scotland, so his daughter 
grew up there and has like an adorable Scottish accent. And she and her sister have to come up with a way to get their recalcitrant, insane parents back together. And it's completely delightful. I love it. Exactly. I'll send you the link. You should read the shit out of this. Okay. Because I talked about it because I was like, no. No, no, no. This comes with a gold star seal of approval here. I promise it's good. Um, My second recommendation is the one that, MK, you can preemptively start to hate me for this. Um, It's called the Regents Park Regulars. No. Carry on. (laughs) And it is the story where there's a swan who is not named Sherlock. Oh, my God. It's the best. <laughs> not named John, and it is the greatest story of all time. Like, no, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's like I can't even explain to you why the story is so wonderful, except for the fact that it is so wonderful. It's like Sherlock is the world's meanest, most horrible swan, and the only thing he likes in the world is bread, hitting Anderson in the face, and John, and they solve the duck. and they solve a mystery together, and it's like. The greatest story of all time. It is best. Like, immediately after I read this, I was like, the story is so good because, like, Sherlock is a swan. He's totally he is a swan. swan. He, like, preens. He's got, like, a really long neck. He's skinny and pale. He can, like, break your arms by flapping at you. He's completely ridiculous. No. The only reason no one has killed him yet is because he's a protected species. Like, it makes complete sense. It's so true. <laughs> so I hate everything great. about you both. It's a factual representation of him. And here's the greatest thing, guys. Um, it hasn't come out yet because we're recording this, what, February 5th. But I saw that Basingstoke is apparently writing sequels to this. So by the time you guys are hearing this, look for it. Because she says she's writing two sequels to Regent's Park regulars, which means more Swan Sherlock and Jeff John, oh, which gosh. everyone needs in their lives. I hate you. You don't hate me. You love me. I love hate you. You love me so much. You don't know what to do with yourself. I like Kate better right now. <laughs> and I think that's it for us. Gab, do you have any parting words of wisdom for everybody? Um, not really, but I think this is a fairly accurate representation of me. I'm hungover and I babbled a lot and used the word like far too many times. So, that's on the whole. Yeah. So if you want to imagine me visually, just think of like Tilda Swinton or something really swap. It's really accurate representation of Gap. That is exactly what she looks like. Nice. Yes. <laughs> I love the heavy aura of sarcasm in your voice. Here. But the, the greatest part is that you started laughing as well. That's what made it. <laughs> it's like I was trying to lie, and then you started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but yeah. I'm really sorry I couldn't think of any words of wisdom to do with writing and stuff because I guess I have a terrible method and don't really know how to write properly. So. Dude, if the method works, man, the method works. Yeah, sure. We can't judge it. We can't yeah. Judge it. We have to end this. We have to end this. <laughs> You're enabling <laughs> each other. It's dangerous. Gradually into more and more nonsense. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It was really great having you. Well, thank you for having me. It was great. I wish I could have been, you know, more human towards the beginning. <laughs> Oh, you did fine. You disguised your hangover status very well. (laughs) And that is Slash Report for the week. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you on the flip side. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.
it's 